Well, as breathing is essential to human life, so too is prayer to the life of the church. Over the course of the last few months, I've uh, begun reading several books on prayer, specifically looking at prayer not just for individuals, but rather the importance of how congregational prayer forms the culture of the church. In his book, Prayer, How Praying Together Shapes the Church, Pastor John Anwuchekwa likens the importance of prayer in the life of the church as the importance of breathing. Breathing is vital both to our present existence as well as our perpetual endurance, as is prayer to the church. Prayer is important for our present existence as well as our perpetual endurance. So why is it then that we have such a hard time putting that into practice? At first, this metaphor might seem to fall short. Breathing is natural. It doesn't require thought or work. It's a natural reality of our humanity. But that's not always the case. Breathing isn't always easy. We saw this over the course of the last two years as hospitals filled with people needing to be intubated because their bodies weren't able to get the oxygen that they needed. When our daughter was born last May, she needed resuscitation before she was able to take her first breaths. One of the biggest risks for preterm birth is lung development. The lungs are one of the last things of the human body to fully develop. And so breathing doesn't always come easily. And yet it is absolutely essential to human life. There are also times when we have to be strategic with when and how we breathe. Musicians need to be strategic on when to breathe. Because not only does it help them to... uh, not pass out while they're playing. It also helps to communicate the phrasing of the music. It communicates the melody. Swimmers need to be strategic on when to breathe so that they can be most efficient in using their body to to, uh, work their way through the water. Learning how to breathe properly makes a significant impact on one's ability to grow and improve in various fields. And in a sense, the same can be said about prayer. Prayer is vital in the life of the church and the individual, but it doesn't always happen easily. At times, our prayer life more closely resembles a newborn needing assistance in breathing their first breath than the everyday inhale and exhale that we do subconsciously. This is true not only individually, but also in the life of the church. The church as a whole, especially in the modern-day evangelical context, prayer has turned more utilitarian in practice. When do we pray? We pray when a platform transitioning is happening so you don't have to wait for the preacher to walk up to the lectern to preach. We pray so that the band is ready to go once the sermon is done. If our motivation in prayer is simply to save you from watching awkward transitions— then our prayer is not about the glorification of God, it's not about the edification of the church, but it's for good production value. So where prayer is absent, it reinforces the assumption that we are okay without God. Infrequent prayer teaches us that God is only needed under certain circumstances. We don't treat prayer like breathing. 
Rather, we treat prayer like a prescription medicine that's meant to rid us of an infection, and once that infection is gone, so go our prayers. But the good news is, we're not alone here in this challenge of understanding prayer. Jesus taught the disciples many things during his time on this earth. But there's only one time in scripture that we're told that the disciples specifically asked Jesus to teach them something. We're told this in Luke 11, that one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus then responds with what we know today as the Lord's Prayer. And so we're continuing this week in our sermon series, Teach Us to Pray. We've been using the Lord's Prayer as a guide on how we might think about how to better incorporate the practice of prayer in our lives as individuals and in the life of City Church. Jesus gave us this prayer as an outline or a model for us to follow, and it's made up of six requests, three of which are uh, pointing us towards God's glory, and three of which are prayers for our good. The first petition of the Lord's Prayer reminds us of God's holiness. Last week, we looked at the second petition, Your Kingdom Come, which reminds us to pray that God's rule and authority would come and extend over us, over all of our lives, now and in the future, that it would come in its fullness. And now today we come to the third request. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. With this petition, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus is saying that prayer is less about getting our will done by God, but seeing God's will done on earth. The priorities of heaven challenge the priorities of our broken world. And so prayer then is not a matter of asking God to uh, conform to our expectations, but rather aligning our expectations to God's kingdom purposes. So what does it mean to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? There are three implications with this prayer. First, it's a prayer for the world. To pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven acknowledges two things. First, it acknowledges that there is a better way for this world to run than the way that it currently does. And second, it tells us that God cares about this earth. This is the prayer of someone who believes that the world is not as it should be and that there is a better world coming. This prayer means um, that our hearts should break for the things that break the heart of God. That our hearts should break for the fact that evil prevails. For the fact that racism still exists, that poverty still exists, that we see gun violence in our cities, that we see war, that we see abuse of power, that we see domestic violence, that we see death, corruption, injustice. This is a prayer that means we can't just shut our eyes to the world's deep suffering and pretend that it isn't happening. Last week, Rich uh, talked about the phrase, thy kingdom come. And this prayer, this, this petition, is a continuation of that prayer. This is a prayer for the coming of Christ's kingdom. We pray for Christ to return as king and for all of creation to be restored as promised. 
We pray to see the kingdom of heaven arrive in its fullest. But it also means that right now, while we wait for that day, we pray for God's will to prevail in this world. We pray that as we live each day that we would see more of God's kingdom now on this earth today. But it's not simply a hopeful, wishful prayer for the restoration of all things, where we sit back and twiddle our thumbs waiting for God to move. This is a world-shattering prayer. It's an act of praying against the prevailing sinful worldly systems. It's a longing for the curse of sin to be reversed, for heaven's healing and hope to prevail upon the brokenness of our world. To pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is to not be satisfied with the way things are, and to be a part of the renewal that God is bringing to the world. It is an earnest, broken, heart-rendering plea to God to align heaven and earth. It's a prayer that says, God, keep me from being an indifferent bystander to the brokenness of our world. It's a prayer that says, sign me up for your mission of healing and hope and renewal. It's a prayer that says, help me to be somebody who brings more of your kingdom to this earth because of the way that I live my life. This is a prayer for the world. Well, as much as this is a prayer for the world, it is also a prayer for you. It's a prayer for me. It's a prayer of surrender. To pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is to say, Lord, let your will be done in my life. We sang this earlier. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. It's a risky prayer for us personally. It's a prayer that says to God, I acknowledge that I have my will and that you have your will. Sometimes those will line up, but when they don't, Lord, overrule my will. To pray this prayer and to really mean it means that we are willing to submit our wills to God's wills. And it's acknowledging that the one who best knows how to run our lives is God. In our previous sermon series, designed for a purpose, we looked at how each one of us have been uniquely created uniquely gifted, and how we each have a part to play both within the church and outside of the walls of the church building. On the last Sunday of that series, we had those who were in attendance fill out a card, giving them an opportunity to dialogue uh, on how they were responding to uh, the series. And one of the prompts on the card said this, I need to consider changing my employment to reflect my design." Well, believe it or not, multiple people marked that off. And I can't pretend to know the circumstances that may have influenced the individuals that checked that box. But at the very least, there's an element of surrender by even checking that box to say, perhaps I'm designed for something other than what I'm currently doing. You see, it's easy in our world to simply seek after what will provide us the biggest paycheck the highest prestige, the greatest amount of power. But is that what we were created for? In Romans 12, verses 1 through 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul implores, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, on the basis of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. 
Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In order to surrender to God's will, we need to seek to know God's will. At times, God's will can feel incredibly narrow and hard to find. We get stuck trying to find the one answer to that one specific calling or making that one right decision in a situation that might have more than one right answer. That's not what this prayer is referring to. Rather, God's will here is more simply talking about God being glorified on earth as it is in heaven. So to do God's will is to honor God with our actions, which Paul tells us is our true and proper worship. But how do we do this? How do we discern God's will? By being transformed, by the renewing of the mind, so that we may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We can better understand the will of God by spending time with God. By spending time with other followers of Jesus, by joining a growth group, by reading the Bible, by praying, by serving, by packing food for CES, or serving with the church at Feed My Starving Children. As we walk with God, as we surrender our wills to his, he works on our hearts, on our affections, and our desires. This is a prayer for the world. This is a prayer of surrender. And this is the prayer of Jesus. The author of Hebrews tells us, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us, full, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For do we, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We're told in this text that Jesus is able to empathize with our weaknesses. And so we cannot read, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, without thinking of Jesus' own example. In the Garden of Gethsemane, in the moments before Jesus was arrested, he prayed, pleading with God, saying, Take this cup from me. Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus knew the Father's will for his life. Yet, Jesus, knowing the pain and humiliation that he would endure leading up to his death on the cross, pleaded for a different outcome. Matthew's account of, of this in Matthew 26 tells us that Jesus didn't ask this one time. He asked this three different times as he prayed in the garden, Lord, take this cup from me. But he said, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus himself lived out this prayer. These words called the disciples to yield their own wills for the sake of the gospel. To some extent, this prayer has partially been fulfilled. In our own lives, Jesus bridges the gap between heaven and earth. By the death of Jesus, we now have access to God. We have a restored relationship with him. 
And by his resurrection, we now have the hope of new life, both here and in eternity. And so we can only pray this prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because Jesus first prayed that prayer. Jesus was and is the only one who can fully fulfill God's will. And because Jesus fulfilled it for us, we are able to do God's will. Not to earn his favor, but because it's what we are created to do. This is a prayer for the world. This is a prayer of surrender. And this is the prayer of Jesus. So bringing heaven to earth first begins with the gospel. God's will is to give us his spirit, to transform us into his likeness, to become like him and to live with him eternally. God desires to complete what he began in the garden at creation, to restore all of creation back to himself. The kingdom of heaven promotes countercultural thinking. It employs an understanding and acceptance of our own sinful natures, our own mortality. The kingdom of heaven requires repentance, forgiveness, humility, reconciliation, equality, and grace, all traits that are decidedly against human nature. And so if our goal is to become increasingly more like Jesus, then we will adopt the process of bringing heaven down to earth. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though he were making his appeal through us. And so we are called to be like Christ in a world that does not recognize him except through his followers, which is us, the church. Well, I mentioned earlier that like breathing is essential for human life. So too is prayer for the church. Throughout this series, we've been responding to the sermon with a time of uh, corporate prayer. And this morning, instead of responding by reading and reciting together a prayer, we're going to pray individually. And we're going to do so by practicing uh, uh, a type of prayer called breath prayer. The simplicity of breathing can relieve us from complicating our prayer. Contemplative prayer awakens our attention so that we listen for God's presence and become open to it. Such an experience of prayer supports Paul's admonition to us to pray without ceasing. Within the Orthodox tradition, breath prayer appears as early as the third century. It's known as the Jesus prayer or the prayer of the heart, and it uh, originates from Mark 10, 47, where a blind man, Bartimaeus, asks Jesus to heal him. And so the original prayer was the words of Bartimaeus. He said, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. By placing a few words on the inhale and a few on the exhale, it unites the prayer with our bodies. The exact words can change to reflect the longing of the one who prays, seeking a lived experience of God. This form of prayer is typically done silently. So in a moment, we'll pause, and we're going to pray the words from this week's petition. As you inhale, I invite you to pray silently the words, Your will be done. And as you exhale, pray silently, On earth as it is in heaven. I invite you to close your eyes 
Bow your heads. Take a moment now to concentrate on slow, deep breaths. Praying both as you inhale and exhale. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I invite you to pray this now. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Help us to truly know you, to bless, to worship, and praise you for all of your works and for all that shines forth from them, your almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth. Help us, Lord, to direct all of our living, what we think, what we say, and what we do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. Lord, we pray your kingdom come. Rule us by your word and your spirit in such a way that more and more we seek the things of your kingdom. We pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us and all people to follow the prayer of Christ who said, not my will, but your will be done. Help us one and all to carry out the work that we are called to. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord.